Hello and welcome to this special Oklahoma City edition of the Low Key Podcast, episode 32. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's rich, organic, and creamy with flavors like maple, vanilla, honey, and chocolate. And if you have a sweet tooth, try their peanut butter cups, which come in chocolate and dark chocolate. So go to Justin's and get a tasty treat. Now, without further ado, Blaine Stencil with Rough Tail Brewing Company. It's nice, it's easy, it's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Low Key. I am here with Blaine Stencil from Rough Tail Brewing Company. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Yeah, um, we're in one of your office jobs. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you 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 own a brewery, and then you have another job. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so my day job is also working for a small business as well. Um, and like we were talking about earlier before we went on air. Um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I've learned from my day job have translated well into owning a brewery. So, um, uh, for all intents and purposes, I'm an accountant, um, yeah. which you know is definitely a skill valued in any business. Yeah, uh, especially a startup. So um, that's pretty what pretty much what my day job consists of. Um, and with Rufftail, it's a little bit more like regulations and stuff like that. Um, and then my day job, it's I, I it's a little, well, we got more employees, so it's more HR, I guess, focused than, yeah. um, and and compliance a little bit. Um, so so yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of crossover though. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, so when we started up Rough Tail, um, Tony, who's my partner, he handles the brewing side of operations, and uh, I handle the business side, which works out well because we both started from a homebrew background. But um, I made really bad beer. And he made really good beer, so yeah. things just kind of worked out that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what 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 drove you to get into uh, craft beer? So um, I actually kind of fell on. Well, I've always, you know, being a college kid or whatever, I was always trying new beer. But this is back in like the early two thousands. So you know, in Norman, uh, school at OU, you know. Uh, it would be like a Bex or something like that, you know, like, yeah. whoa, what's the Bex, you know? <laughs> um, and then I, I kind of fell in, I mean, I kind of I gravitated towards Shiner Bach. Okay. Um, and then I went to, to Munich for an internship um, over in Europe, and I stopped in, in Munich, and I actually had a real Bach. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where I fell in love with, uh, with you know, I guess better than light beer or whatever like yeah. you know I, I don't know like not craft beer necessarily but like really really good beer and so that and that beer was Aventinas um that was kind of the first one that I was like wow holy crap yeah um and so I kind of have a special place in my heart for that beer um and then so then I me and my my buddy were like you know we should actually probably more of me was like hey we should start homebrewing we should make this beer because 
little did I know you could actually already get that beer yeah. in the stores, but like you never saw that on draft anywhere at a college bar. Uh-huh. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. So, uh, so I that I started home brewing. Uh, just kept going with it. A couple years later, um, met Tony, my partner, and uh, we, you know, we were kind of the some of the founding members of this home brew club called Red Earth Brewers. Okay. And so, um, you know, we just we both kind of found out that we liked we, you know, uh, or we wanted to start a a, a brewery, and we liked the same kind of beer. Mm-hmm. And so things just kind of worked out, and um, I decided to let Tony do all the brewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I mean that's kind of how I how I first got into it, and then well, I guess I I should say I was really seeking out German like German styles like those box and Weizenbox and, and stuff like that, and then I went to the Great American Craft Beer Festival. Oh man! Because I didn't like IPAs before that. Yeah. And but you got to realize like even back then we're talking like two thousand ten maybe. Okay. I mean there weren't a whole lot of IPAs in the market. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think F five was out at that point. I don't. know. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Maybe it was. Uh, and I apologize to those guys. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I I remember like Flying Dog IPA, mm-hmm. um, which I never, I didn't really get into. Um, was was in the market, but other than that, you know, there just weren't a whole lot of IPAs. And so yeah. whatever I did try, I just, I didn't really like. I mean, Pete's Wicked Ale was still, I think, big. They're yeah. gone now. So uh, the market was just totally different. Um, and so when I went to the Great American Craft Beer Festival, I ha- started trying all these IPAs. Like, holy crap, I really like IPAs. Yeah. And so then I started gravita- gravitating towards that. Um, Tony was already way ahead of the curve. He was already into that stuff. So, um, but yeah, so we just kind of, you know, kind of worked out. Like, if he really liked Belgians and I really liked IPAs, it wouldn't be as, you know, symbiotic. And if we both wanted to brew, I think it wouldn't have been as uh, symbiotic. So... So, you know, I, I don't know. Things just kind of worked out that way. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, craft beer festivals tend to do that to you. Yeah. yeah. yeah tend well, to inspire. It was crazy because, I, <laughs> you know, there's a Vinny, Vinny from um, uh, Russian River has this kind of came up with a saying, like, you have your lupulin shift. Okay. Like, you've had, your hop, you've had your hop shift. And so after Great American Craft Beer Festival, I woke up the next day and I was, like, telling my buddy, uh, I was like, Dude, I really want an IPA. Like, what just happened? <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of a little background. Okay. Did 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 Munich kind of inspire that um, the journey towards um, Rufftail? Can you can you tell us a little bit more in depth about the journey towards Rufftail? I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, just because it inspired like there's something out there mm-hmm. other than. You know, even Shiner, Shiner Bach or whatever. Um, and so, you know, that that was like, well, I've got to make this stuff at home. Yeah. You know, i got to get a home brewing. And I'd say, man, I mean, of the people who start breweries nowadays, most of them are home brewers. And you yeah. would, I, I think you'd want to have that home brew background. Um, I mean, not to go off topic here, but like with the distillers, you can't home distill legally. Now, I know a lot of the guys who are opening up stills are probably were home distilling but i mean i think it's just crazy to think that like okay you can't home distill but we're going to give you a permit to distill on a massive scale yeah you know and if it's such a dangerous thing like why are you giving people who supposedly have no experience you know (laughs) in distilling this big permit to go and do that 
So I think that, um, I mean, I guess to go back, like, I think that you, it, it probably would behoove you to have some homebrewing experience or mm. whatever before you open up a brewery because there's just so much crossover from homebrewing to, to large or microbrewing, I guess just to say, nanobrewing or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, just knowing recipes and all that. I mean, I don't know how you could do it otherwise. Uh, yeah. So, that's kind of, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the impetus for everything was that Munich experience and just, and, you know, more than just, more than just a good beer, it was just, it's a whole different environment over there. It's mm-hmm. not about getting drunk. It's about, like, enjoying a really good beer. You know, sitting yeah. in a beer garden and they have all these weird and wacky laws, like, around beer. Because it's been such a big part of their culture. Yeah. And just, like, that is just really cool. And eventually we'll get to that stage, yeah. you know, here uh, in the United States and Oklahoma specifically, where, like, beer will just, it'll be more of like a, you go have a beer or two with someone, like, after work or whatever, and just kind of sit there, savor it, and it's like, it's what you do. Yeah. You know, it's not going and getting messed up. Yeah. So. Well, I I think I think the um, the environment of craft beers is moving towards that. Definitely. Because craft beer is pretty expensive. Yeah. And being a college kid, you yeah. know, you you're you're not wanting to um, spend loads and loads of money on craft beer. Sure. You know, you may want to get like one or two because it's super expensive. Right. You know. <laughs> well, you know, may, I, you know, I I can't speak for the kids nowadays, but um, I I think that probably. Well, I know that a lot of them are starting to drink craft beer. I mean, yeah. I'm seeing younger people, you know, at the brewery now doing tours. All over 21, I can say. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, that you know, they you know they come in, and uh, I'm just always kind of surprised about that or when they're at a beer festival or mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, they're probably drinking a, uh, an IPA or two and then having pounded some keystones. <laughs> you know, that's probably what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you got to offset it, right? you got to have some balance. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, definitely the trend is moving towards, towards that, like just beer culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting time for Oklahoma in particular, cause we're just so far behind the curve. Yeah. But I mean, with the new laws, you can already see it. Like there's just going to be a lot of, you know, what it's going to be too is, it's just brew pubs. Uh, a yeah. lot of brew pubs, which is cool, which is great. Um, and that's what you see in, you know, Denver. You're seeing a lot of, like, three- and five-barrel brew houses that are very specific. Like, this is this neighborhood's brewery or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Like, But whereas, like, us, when we started not knowing that 424 was going to become a reality, when we started up, you have to go big or go home, right? So, yeah. I mean, we kind of started on the small end. We started with a 10-barrel. But, you know, you see um, guys like Iron Monk, uh, I think they started with a 30-barrel. Wow. Um, you know, and, uh, I mean, Coop started with a 7-barrel, They were, but they were just brewing all the time on that thing. And then Marshall, I think, is, um, they're in hectoliters, about to get, it's like a 15-barrel. So, you know, you had to have a bigger brew house. You couldn't do it with three, mm-hmm. you know, because you couldn't sell direct. Yeah. But now that's going to change, I think we're going to get a lot more experimentation and just it just compounds on itself. It's just exponential. So, should be a fun fun time in the next um, you know five to ten years for for craft beer in Oklahoma. Yeah, I hope it it grows and expands. Yeah, because it it has been exciting to see like breweries like pop up and stuff, and 
and like hearing about you guys and I got really excited like Oklahoma City's growing too um being I'm from Tulsa right some in Tulsa that are growing and it's just really cool to see what what would you describe or what would you say is like some of your hardships or struggles that you had to deal with with starting up your um your your business and your brewery well in the initial phases it was just kind of like you know there's always a rule i think in entrepreneurship that you should take everything you have i think um double that and then multiply it by three or something like you know whatever (laughs) um and you know we we started with Pro, not, I mean, not probably, but definitely not enough capital. Mm-hmm. I think between the loans and the money that we raised from family, family and friends, we started with like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which I mean, we were just scraping by. Yeah. Um, for the first like couple, it just kind of hamstrung us through the growth. For, I mean, I would say even like till today, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that was the that was the thing. I mean, just always if you're going to start a brewery, just it's going to take way more money than you think it will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had it all forecasted out. I had all these elaborate Excel spreadsheets and stuff. And, Jeez. Um, the only one I could say, uh, Vanessa House, guys, you guys have my Excel spreadsheets beat. Because <laughs> their spreadsheet uh, is like 50 tabs, and it's got all kinds of stuff on it. So um, I know you guys are listening. Um, you guys have the best spreadsheets. They're fantastic. Um, but, uh, so that was kind of the big first thing. And then just, you know, not really, um, Abel doesn't do a very good job of kind of letting you know what the pathway to getting your beer on the market is. So you're kind of shooting, shooting blind. Okay. Um, and you get into it and you find out all these weird laws that like, or weird rules, I guess, um, that they make you do that you don't know about. And you're like, we almost missed our price posting and, and, um. Yeah, so that kind of that stuff is is frustrating. Uh, just kind of the whole, you know, getting started up, getting all the permits together, and dealing with the city and all that kind of stuff, and then just kind of getting started. Um, I mean, I guess a big a big deal is you know just kind of balancing that packaging and the keg thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should probably like maybe trying to do both of those at once is 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 a lot. Um, yeah, maybe trying to focus on uh, one or the other. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of challenges with any small business, I think. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, beer is manufacturing. Yeah. And that presents its whole, you know, it's, it's glorified manufacturing. <laughs> so it prevents its own like uh, set of circumstances that are, that are, that are tough. You know, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of, it's just capital intensive. I mean, you got these big tanks and you've got to, you know, keep buying grain, you know, cash flow intensive. And, and so, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, um. Those were all the kind of challenges that we faced. And then not being able to sell on, on premise, you know, is tough. Yeah. Um, I think I think now it's going to be a little bit easier to open a brewery, which I think, you know, you're going to start seeing some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the margins are just way better when you're selling direct to people. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma laws are lifting a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, I mean, it looks like there's going to be some stuff going through that, like, is going to, you know, I, I think the the liquor store guys think feel like they – you know, took it on the chin last last October, November, whatever it was, um, and so I think that like there's some stuff now that's gonna hopefully be good for those guys. You mm-hmm. know, make them feel like they're not as disenfranchised and and um, I mean I think there's you know there's gonna be money to be made um, loosening the laws and, and stuff and 
man, I hope those guys, like, I hope they get to have growlers at the yeah. liquor stores. Like, that would be cool. Um, you know, we were just down in Texas, and you could go to Whole Foods and get a growl. Like, they have growlers and, and draft beer at Whole Foods, mm. you know. Um, and I'm not just singling those guys out. Like, all the stores down there yeah. have it, you know. So, that that kind of stuff is really cool, and it just helps. Um, just knowledge, you know. People see that. They're like, what's that? You know, and if they're not into craft beer, they don't know. And, you know, they're, you know, if they're drinking, they're going to drink, you know, maybe someone who's like a Bud Light person might go pick up uh, some kind of Pilsner or something and get into it. And that's just how this whole thing grows. Yeah. So, and the laws are going to be huge in that, I think. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, it looks, looks promising. That's awesome. What, what is, um, what is you, what do you think is the biggest misconception working at a brewery the biggest misconception oh man <laughs> I mean I think that like people I think that I, I, I keep I, I hate to keep harping on money but I mean maybe people think that that like we're just making tons of money or yeah. whatever because they see our product out and everything um, we're not <laughs> uh, I mean, I still, I'm sitting here in my day job so saying that um, uh, you know and I think a lot of the it, Oklahoma's a weird Oklahoma's a weird uh, kind of I think market for craft beer and the fact that like we talked about there's still the there's still the old laws in place mm-hmm. you know but the distributors have been around for well s- since 58 when they repealed it um, prohibition in Oklahoma okay so you know they obviously have a lot longer period so what I mean I can't do the math what is that 60 years or something Almost? Something like that? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they've been in operation for 60 years, for the most part. You know, so, the, I mean, if, if it's a brewery with 60 years old, I think we'd probably be doing pretty well, too. So they're yeah. doing, you know, they're doing really well, too, but it's a, it's a volume game, mm-hmm. for the most part, and they mark up, they all mark up stuff about the same percentage. So, um, not to say that those guys are making any more money or whatever on stuff than we are, but, like, it looks like they are. and So... Maybe like that's where some of the misconception comes from, but I, I guess if I had to say one thing, it would be, it would be that. I mean, I guess you know another thing too. People get if we discontinue a beer, like we always get feedback on that. But you know, it's there's a reason we discontinued it. Yeah, Cause it, it it's it has to do with sales. You know, if it's not selling well, it's sitting on the shelf and it's getting old and then people are picking that up and then they're like, oh, this beer sucks. Like, I hate this brewery. They make <laughs> crappy beer. And it's like, well, like, you know, taste change or whatever. And so we've had to discontinue some things mm-hmm. um, just because either, like, it just stopped selling or we weren't, like, a completely happy with it and found something better to replace it. And so far, that's worked out. Um those brands that we've replaced the old brands with have been selling better. Yeah. Which means it's just, again, it compounds on itself. It's like, okay, so now there's fresher beer out there. So when people drink it, they have fresher stuff. They like it more. And then that pulls it all through and sales go up and hopefully, and you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thought process. Keep us, keep as fresh. for us, we do a lot of IPAs. And so, you know, our hoppy beers and, and keep that stuff fresh. Because yeah. it's got to be fresh, and especially right now with no refrigeration, you got to sell it quick. Yeah. So we're in a kind of a catch twenty two right now, where we're we're selling as much as we can make, mm-hmm. 
but at the same time, you know, we're, we've got a sales guy trying to go out there and sell, sell the beer, and it's tough when there's no inventory, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, he's doing the best he can. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, all the beer's fresh. I know all the beer's fresh out there because there's none in inventory at the distributors. Mm. Uh, but I guarantee you guys, we're trying to make it as fast as we can. We are making it as fast <laughs> as we can. So, um, so yeah. Cool. Is is working at a brewery different than you thought it would be? Well, I you know I can't comment on that a whole lot because um, I'm not there all the time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, is it? I guess it's not completely different. When we started out, I guess we didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um. So, so um. I mean, it's no. I mean, I think we all knew that it was a lot of work going in. Mm-hmm. You know, into it. Uh, those guys are thankful right now uh, that we're replacing the fifty-pound bags of grain with a big giant silo. Uh, okay. So they're. You know, their backs aren't going to be killed every day loading that stuff in every time we do a batch. So, um, but, man, I mean, like I said, it's manufacturing. There's a lot of manual labor that goes into that. Um, until you can get to the level to where you can, like, you know, get some machinery to put four packers on all of the cans. Yeah. There's there's a guy at the end of the line that's packing the, you know, each each beer by hand, you know. Um, and that's completely different than, than what you see over Budweiser. Yeah. I mean, I think I saw a number on this. It's, like, crazy the amount of, like, you know, people it takes to make one barrel of beer over at Budweiser compared to, like, your average craft brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, they make, like, one guy may make 100 barrels of beer, you know, if you spread the labor out, whereas... You know, it's probably one guy makes one barrel of beer. (laughs) It takes one guy an hour to make a barrel of beer at our place, or or maybe more than that. Yeah. Um, The man hours that go into our beer is just way higher. But, you know, we just don't have the machinery that those guys have. Yeah. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, we've just, you know, because of that, we've recently hired new people. Because, like I said, I mean, we've got new tanks in, we're trying to grow it, and it's just one of those things with, with... with beer, like I said, it's capital intensive. Mm. Uh, so you're always buying new things. Yeah. And that requires, you know, new people to, to run those things and build up, you know, make more beer. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a, it's a beast, but once it gets rolling, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it does. So. <laughs> that sounds like a lot it's of just work. There's a lot yeah. of moving yeah. pieces. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, Tony's right now, now installing everything and he's probably, not having as much fun as um, as I am sitting in my air conditioned office, uh, <laughs> which is ninety four today, by the way, record yeah. high. So um, oh yeah, it's gross outside. <laughs> yeah, we actually had to turn on. We got one of those like swamp coolers, and we've had to uh, fire that up because oh, it's already hot enough. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of manual labor, and I. But I think I think we were all kind of on the same page that we knew it was going to take. A lot of work to get the thing kind of up and running. Yeah. So. That's crazy. What can you can you describe some of you, like some of your beers and what you guys have? Yeah. So um, we so when we kind of started up, we we um, we were really big fans of Stone, and you know Stone just came on the market a few weeks ago. Yeah. So we thought there was always kind of a gap for that 
that kind of that you know that that style of West Coast ales. Um, uh, Coop had already been in the market with F five, and that's you know that's so big and it's an awesome beer. Um, but like we're I guess kind of across the board, we kind of wanted to be more hoppy, and we had a beer called Twelfth Round, which. I mean, I think kind of like Arrogant Bastard, I've gotten this question a couple times recently in the past week. Um, like, why did you get rid of it? And we got rid of it because it didn't sell well. Um, but that was it. Our 12th round was kind of like Stone's Arrogant Bastard. And okay. they're, I think they're having problems with that beer, too. And I think that's just people's beer styles changing. Um, so to make a short answer long, um, we, you know, we do a lot of hoppy beers. We do a pale ale, a very West Coast Okay. Um, uh, it's definitely more drinkable than the IPA just because it's lower ABV. Um, we do our regular West Coast IPA. We do a double IPA called Hoptometrist, which is Ooh. our best seller. With the caveat that if we can make more of everything rhymes with orange, which is an East Coast style IPA, um, you know we we'd probably sell more of that than anything. Hmm. So. Um, and the new tanks that we've got online are kind of trying to get caught up with that, with that, um, the demand for that. Yeah. And then also just kind of our core brands as well. Cause when we came out with that beer, oh, about a year ago, the, the demand for that was just so high hmm. and we're like, we can't not make this beer. So then, but that took away from all of our other stuff too. Yeah. So that's kind of where we got really into a pinch on capacity or whatever, um, and so, uh, I mean, that's kind of a, those are our, our, and we do a Pilsner now as well, um, which replaced 12th round actually. So we released a Pilsner in the middle of winter because we know exactly what we're doing. Um, that was, that's not true. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, but we needed something to kind of, we needed something to replace 12th round or else we'd lose all of our tap handles. Okay. Although those are completely different beers, again, we have no idea what we're doing. Um, we brought on that Pilsner, and it's, you know, it's not super hoppy. Hmm. Um, definitely, like, you know, there's going to be Budweiser people that probably wouldn't like it because it's too much, but... Yeah. I mean, they need to get a life. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's pretty drinkable. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're pretty crazy to say that that's, like, way off from, you know, it's... You know, it's completely different from an IPA, but it is. You know, it's got some. It's got some hop character to it, but nothing crazy. Yeah. So. That's cool. So um so yeah that's kind of our core lineup and then we've got um, some seasonal releases Polar Night we did back in December I want to say and then Polar Eclipse came out in February. Yeah. Um, and one uh, Polar Night's a stout. Polar Eclipse is a Imperial stout. Oh, it's an imperial stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, twelve point two percent. I have to try that one because I tried Polar Night. And it was yeah. fantastic. And so then we're trying our hand at uh, barrel aging stuff now too. Or barrel aging that. Um, and so we've got that in barrels right now. Wow. Actually, a couple batches of that. So that's exciting. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, that'll be first for us. And so, you know, that's one of the things. If you're a craft brewery, people expect new beers coming out all the time. Hmm. And plus, everyone wants you know us as employees want new beers you know we want to keep it fun yeah or whatever and so when we get to do stuff like that it's exciting and um so we try to do you know we try to do a bunch of uh releases at the brewery brewery only releases and 424 has been awesome about that so we've done we've done a lot of uh just 
small batch, um, 60 cases plus some on draft for growlers. Wow. Uh, that we've been able to do. That's really, I mean, it's, it's just, it's fun, like, to be able to sell direct to people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, like, changes it. It just, it's different when a distributor comes and picks up with their 18-wheeler. Yeah. Versus, like, you giving, like, a four-pack to someone in their hands, you know, to take home. Yeah. Um, or, or giving them a pint, I guess. You know, it's just, um, it's just a, it's, that's that culture, you know, that I was talking about. Like, people drinking at the, at the tap house. Yeah. Like, it's creating that culture. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. That was a long answer to that question. <laughs> That's okay. It could be as long as you want. Um, can you describe some of the hops you guys use? Yeah, sure. Um, so when we, and that's, this is another thing too, that, um, starting up, starting up, uh, if you don't like contract out years ahead, which most people aren't going to, because if you're, you know, say you're, you know, you're trying to start up this year, you're probably not the year before going to like go ahead and sign a contract for thousands of dollars worth of hops that are going to come out in 2019 or 2020 or yeah. whatever because it's a crop and you've got to contract all this stuff out mm-hmm. so we got kind of pigeonholed and we knew this was the case too going in but we just weren't in a position to do that not knowing 100 percent that we we're going to be starting up um and so you know we had some of the hops that that people weren't as psyched about because they were the older style. So Cascade and Centennial and Columbus, that that stuff's easy to get your hands on. Mm -hmm. And and plus, because they've been growing it for so long, they've got tons of acres of it. Um, They are the, you know, it is still the top sellers, but there's, there's new varieties out there um, that like people are, you know, fighting over to get. So, so some of that new stuff that we've gotten, um, uh, and primarily, it's been it's been North American varieties, so like a Zaka. Um, a lot of people are familiar, uh, familiar with Citra, uh, Mosaic. Uh, one that's kind of come back recently that we that we liked is called Comet. Oh yeah, uh, and that was an old hop that kind of has kind of made a resurgence recently. Hmm. Um, and then we get like experimental stuff, like we get this stuff called Lupulin powder now. And it's almost like, I guess it would be like cocaine to the coca leaf. Um, <laughs> it's super duper expensive. Uh, we do lines of it at the brewery for fun. Uh, no, no, that's not true at all. Uh, and so, like, that, that, that stuff's cool. Um, we've also got this stuff called Hop Hash, which I guess would be the um, CBD oil. No, I guess it wouldn't be the CBD oil. It'd be the, it's like the oil from the potent stuff uh it's the oil it's kind of so they've got the the hops in the processing factory right mm-hmm. they've got these conveyor belts and whatnot and kind of left over is this gunk this oil um and it's called it's called hop hash huh and we've used we've done some experimental stuff with that as well and that all that stuff is is fun and it's got a unique flavor profile to it that regular hops you know yeah. So even if you're using the same strain, you know, if you've got a mosaic, uh, well, I mean, if, if you've got a mosaic leaf and a pellet, they're going to taste pretty similar. Hmm. Um, but if you've got a mosaic hop hash or you've got, um, or a lot of times that hop hash, I think is just a combination of whatever, you know, they're processing at the time. So it could be just a mixture of stuff. 
Uh, and then, you know, you've got the lupulin mosaic. It's going to mm. taste, it's all going to have its, you know, unique flavor profiles. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, we are trying to get us our hands on whatever we can. And we've got some cool um, uh, hop distributors that, that are, like, on the lookout for stuff. We're like, yeah. send us whatever you got, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> uh, that, stuff's, that stuff's fun to do. If we don't get a lot of it, we can do at least a one-off with it, you know, or a small batch. and. Okay. Play around with it and just see how it goes. Yeah. And then now we can, you know, sell it direct. So it's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. What brewery inspired Unilai? Uh, I mean, I would say, like, Stone kind of was, like, that was kind of, like, you know, what we wanted to do and what we wanted to, you know, kind of fill the fill the void, I guess, in the market was kind of, like, that, that style of stuff. And... I mean, when I go to GABF, still, I go to the Stone Tent. I, I think they're still doing a lot of killer stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, and this is what the market's going to turn into, is just a lot of smaller guys that are regional or even city-based Yeah. that are doing just stuff that they can be more flexible with. Like I said, I mean, you've got all these new hop varieties and whatnot. Stone can't get enough of a, maybe of a certain experimental hop. Mm-hmm. That uh, know, tired hands or uh, trillium or whatever can get can get a hold of, um, so they can they can do small batch stuff like that, and you know just kind of stay on the leading edge of, of craft beer. Yeah, I think you know you're gonna get just that smaller like, I mean those guys are just killing it, but I don't know how big those guys are gonna get. You know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of I think that's kind of the model like. We would like to be regional, but we know that we're not going to get any bigger than that. Yeah. I mean, it, I think that time is over. Um, so we kind of, although, like, we really like Stone's model or whatever, we understand, like, there's a lot of guys doing really awesome kick-ass stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they're just keeping it city or state, you know, uh, or sometimes even regional, you know, regional. And so, uh, but they're just making just killer, killer stuff. So... There's a lot of, I think Stone inspired us to get into it, mm-hmm. but now there's these guys that are inspiring us to like, I mean, look at the East Coast IPAs, right? I mean, look at what yeah. Eddie Topper did. I mean, that started everything, right? Yeah. Um, it started the cloudy IPA phase. <laughs> yeah. And I think that thing, I think it's here to stay. But, you know, just over the weekend, I had a couple of, of beers that like, uh, I had Juicy Bits uh, from Weldworks out of Colorado. And Ooh. good Lord, it tastes almost just like Everything Rhymes with Orange. Mm. And um, what else What else did I have? I had something else that it was like, what? Oh, oh it was um, uh, oh, uh, Modern Times out of San Diego. Yeah, I love did, Modern uh, Times. Was it called Dinosaur World or something like that? had something to do with dinosaurs dressing dress i don't know <laughs> it was something like that it was a one-off they did and it i mean it's crazy and that beer was killer but it tasted very similar to juicy bits and everything rhymes and you know all the yeah. other east coast ipas um and so i mean i guess there's probably some like oh looking at everyone's recipes or whatever but you know there's also just a lot of like uh we're kind of coming to the same like same same point I guess and we're like wow we're all making really good beers with our own little spins on it but um man I think East Coast IPAs are here to stay yeah so um, I cool. think that's a style that's gonna stick around yeah 
So that sounds good. Yeah, they are tasty. <laughs> <laughs> what it, What is your personal favorite brew method and why? A triple decoction. What is that? No, no, no. <laughs> I, that was uh, that was a, like an old German style. That, okay. <laughs> before they had thermometers, they didn't know like what the like they they weren't exactly sure what the temperature was. Yeah. So they would do this multiple like where they heat it up and the 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 mash and then they would. Um, and the grain too was at a point where it wasn't, like, it wasn't um, as engineered as it is now. So before you had to do like three different stages to get it through like different enzyme processes. What? Yeah, and so nowadays it's like it's it's different. It's completely different. I mean, the grain has like been modified to where it's, I mean, awesome to use for brewing. We don't have to do that. So yeah. <laughs> otherwise, it'd make a brew day really really long. Um, but. Um, I guess my favorite method, I mean, so we're doing, like, in our IPAs, we're, we're like, barely using any hops now in the, in the, um, usually you do, like, 60 minutes, you'd, you'd add them at the very first of the boil. Yeah. I mean, some of them we don't do any, um, mm. but, uh, we use a lot of Whirlpool additions. Okay. Um, so I'd say that's kind of a new thing where, like, and, we, you know, use them after it's 180 degrees so they don't. Uh, isomerize so they're a lot of that aroma sticks around through the end process yeah um you know dry hopping's always good too so yeah. so yeah i mean i guess that's kind of the that'd be a couple things that we do that that um you know helps with the helps with the aroma hop on the, in the finished product but that i think it's really been working for us hmm so that's really cool what what advice would you give to someone that um, who'd want to start a microbrewery or a brewery, small business? Sure. I mean, other than uh, have more money than you think it's going to take. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I I get. I mean, I guess that one of the things is is just to figure out like where you want to be mm-hmm. and try to go that direction, but. You know, being a small business, you're going to have to be super flexible in everything you do. So if you see a trend or something, you've just got to, you've got to go with it. You know, if, if you're trying to make, uh, I don't know, only barley wines right now. And like, I feel like barley wines have kind of fell out of favor recently. Yeah. Uh, over the past few years, uh, you've got to like kind of be able to shift. I mean, you can't make a barley wine brewery. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think you can. I mean, I guess if you're making killer barley wines and everyone's buying it, stick with it. Yeah. You know, but you got to be nimble. You got to be able to go that other direction. So, um, but you know, know where you're going. Yeah. Um, if you want to, if you want to do only a, uh, uh, you know, a, ta- a tap house or whatever. Um, maybe you don't need to have a canyon line. Maybe you don't need to do bottles. Hmm. Um, uh, and then if you know, if you want to be a regional brewery, you gotta, you gotta probably think about not starting with a three barrel brew house. Yeah. You know, um, I think that, um, those are, those are probably the biggest things. Just kind of, you know, getting a good, getting a good business plan. I think it helps if you write a business plan, um, you know, just to get all your thoughts on, on paper. Yeah. Um, the bank doesn't normally require that when you're starting out, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But investors are going to want to see that, even if they're f- your family and friends. They don't want to, th- <laughs> as much as they love you, they don't want to throw money down a rabbit hole. Yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, just kind of getting all that stuff flushed out, I think, mm-hmm. would be, would be, and then multiplying all of your expenses um, by, by six or something. <laughs> you think it's going to take? <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. Great advice. How is Roughtail Brewing connected to the local scene or um, just anything local in Oklahoma City? Well, I, I think there's, like I said earlier, it's kind of a movement towards, like, especially with IPAs, it's everything to be hyper-local. Yeah. So if you're getting it in, you know, Oklahoma City or Tulsa, um, it's going to be super fresh. You know, okay. the beer is going to be super fresh. So, like, that, when you compare that to, you know, now Stone, who's shipping it um, across the country, mm-hmm. it's just we're naturally going to have an advantage. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, a lot of people too, like if if someone shipped in from from the East Coast and uh, you know they're like, yeah, it's not as good as I thought it was gonna be or whatever. I'm like, well, you gotta give these guys the benefit of the doubt. They're not. You're tasting something that you're getting local that was packaged like the day before. Yeah. They're shipping it in, so that whole thing applies to to being hyper local. Hmm. You know, um, I think, and I think that's the way that everyone everything is moving. Um, you know, but besides that, I mean, I you know, we just we're gonna have a natural connection because we're we are local. All of our employees are local. The business is local. Yeah, we go to local festivals and and um, you know donate to local charities and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's cool. I don't get near the request for donations from our out of state guys or you know f- you know fundraisers in Wichita and whatever. Yeah, I mean I, th- I think if you're probably in New Belgium or whatever and you're you know you're in, you probably get hit up for all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would say our distributor up there probably deflects a lot of that. They might donate uh, on behalf of us or whatever. Mm. Um, so I don't I don't get to see as, as much of that of that side of the business um, because they just they just handle it, um, and that's why we pay them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean we're you know definitely uh, uh, local in the community and and um, we're not leaving anytime soon. So. We'll be here, and we'll be hiring local and serving local, and hmm. yeah, that's awesome. So unfortunately, like craft beer or not craft beer, but beer, there's not a lot of like local ingredients you can use. Yeah. Um, there's not local hops. You can grow local hops, but they just don't have. Well, there's just not the acreage, and it's just not the climate. Same thing with the barley. Is you know that's all grown up north. It's a it's a uh, colder climate crop. So I wish that I could buy local on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But it just doesn't cool. grow here. Yeah. So, and there's really, I think there's a malter, a, a guy who malt, uh, is going to be malting uh, local, but he's just up and running and he doesn't have that much grain yet or whatever. Hmm. So um, it's a little difficult for us to buy local, but we, we do we do try as much as we can. We buy local labels, our label person local, and our tap handles are all made in a machine shop locally that's cool so um so we try whenever we can um uh, but but beer right now doesn't lend itself <laughs> yeah that. so yeah that's so, funny. yeah what what personally motivates you and makes you passionate about being in the the craft beer industry i mean it there's always new things i i and i feel like we're always improving yeah. So I feel like we're always like taking one step towards being the best that we can, and that sounds really cheesy, but like <laughs> I do okay. feel like I'm like 
from when we first started to now, I mean, I think just our beers just gotten just a lot better. Mm-hmm. If some of that was the hops, like I told you, we couldn't get those awesome hops, but now we can, so it's yeah. fun, you know. And it just that stuff keeps it fun for me too. Um, you know, if we were just making the same light lager every day, I'd probably not be as jazzed as I am with, um, you know, we get, oh, we got a crawler machine now, so that's awesome. Yeah. Let's do that. And just like, you know, uh, growing the business and, and, uh, uh, outside of the current location. I mean, you know, at some point we're going to outgrow that facility, so we're going to need to do something new. Yeah. You know, like, I'm always, I'm. I'm always looking at, like, what's next. Hmm. And, like, man, with this new tap room thing, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, man, we could just have a killer tap room. Yeah. You know, we could just have, like, a, like an awesome place people want to be on Fridays and Saturday nights. And, and hmm. uh, so, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to all that, all that stuff, you know, just growing the business and yeah. just getting bigger. And, you know, being able to tell people that, uh, yeah, our beer's in Texas and our beer's in... I don't know, New Mexico and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's just kind of, that's the cheesy stuff. Um, but, like, hey, look at us, you know. I don't yeah. know. Like, we're, we're growing, like, something now. I don't know. Yeah. So. No, that's definitely an exciting feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a big, you know, Oklahoma's a very, like, contained market, right? I mean, yeah. we have three and a half million people or whatever it is. So, it's not a huge market. But then when you start getting into Kansas, I mean, that doubles our market almost, and you know, you start getting these other states, and it's you know you've got a big footprint, mm-hmm. and um, you know you know people know people know your beer, like people are buying your beer, like in Kansas City, like that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's just it's just a, a different a different feeling. I don't know, so like that's kind of what I'm excited about. It's just it's just just growing the thing and just continuing to make like cool, awesome beer that people really really like and yeah i mean man 424 that's just game changing like it's awesome being able to like uh you know serve one-off beers to people and there's a line you know waiting for people waiting to get your beer like it's just this Mm -hmm. is cool it's just a different feeling it just it's just completely different i don't know i like it a lot (laughs) yeah Cool, man. Well, how can how can people like find you guys or get connected with you guys? What social mediums do would they have to look for? Uh, so we're on the uh, the interwebs at uh, roughtailbeer.com. Uh, we've got uh, a Facebook page, um, so you can just search for it. It's facebook.com/roughtailbeer. Uh, we're at roughtailbeer on Twitter. And I do not do our Instagram page because it will not let me log in. I don't know what is going on. But um, I think we're at Rough Tail Beer there as well. And Jeff handles that. Jeff's our sales guy. Okay. Uh, he's the one with the silly mustache, if you've ever met him. <laughs> People will know what I'm talking about. And uh, he does that. And then, um, gosh, we might have a Snapchat. I don't know. I should probably know these things. <laughs> but I don't do any of that new stuff. We still have a MySpace page, so if you guys want to check us out, myspace.com slash roughtail. MySpace. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> you guys have like Just a, a music page, page, but our background is killer. You guys are going to love our background. Oh my gosh, MySpace. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, 
so that's the main stuff. I will admit that we do a much better job of posting to Facebook. Um, I hate Twitter. I hate Twitter so much. Sorry, people. But 140 characters, I can't tell you what's going on. <laughs> I have to. What I do is I have to post a link to our webpage. Yeah. To go visit our webpage to get all the details because I can't tell you like, oh, we're having a festival and this is all the bands and this is all the music and this is all the food or whatever. You know, this is the beers. You gotta go to the Facebook or you gotta go to the website. Yeah. Um. So. So don't check out Twitter. I mean, you can. You can yeah. I tried to post stuff there, but I never use it personally. Like. Yeah. And I, I, I like to be succinct. But 140 characters, it's crazy town. And yeah. I don't even get the fuck. <laughs> we need to hire someone young to do the, 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 Twitter. the Twitters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being on uh, the Low Key Podcast. And thank you for describing, like, your beers and just taking taking um, taking out time out of your day to hang out with us. Yeah, no problem. Just Thanks for having me. me. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, cheers, guys. And hopefully they drink your beer. Hello, guys. want to thank you again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. want to thank Blaine Stencil from Rough Tail Brewing Company for coming and sharing his story. Now, if you're ever in the Oklahoma City area, go to his tap room and check out some of the beers they have on tap. And also, go check out all their social mediums. Maybe th- re- rethink the Twitter one. <laughs> Also, guys, if you're a subscriber on iTunes, go write us a review. Go rate us. And if you don't subscribe to us and listen to this podcast, subscribe to us. Also, follow us on Instagram and check out what we're doing on Instagram and on Facebook. Go follow us on Facebook as well. And check out who we're interviewing and what Loki's up to. So, guys, thanks again for listening. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low-key.